You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Laura. Hello. Laura, what defines you? <laughs> That's a very interesting question to ask a psychiatrist. Oh my goodness. Here we go. <laughs> Please give me the answers to my mind and let me know everything that's wrong with it. Yeah. Um, what defines me though? That's such a good question for anyone, right? Um, well, I think the most interesting thing that defines me is that my life has not taken on the path that I thought it would. Um, so were you going to open? Did you, did you want to, did you want to be a juggler? Is that what happened? Then you just fell down the psychiatry hole, you know, uh, not far off. I actually, uh, wanted to be an actor and went to uh, theater school. I went to one of the top theater schools in uh, the country. And uh, if you had told me I was going to be a doctor, I, when I was younger, I would have told you you were crazy. As a matter of fact, not that I'm a proponent of psychics, but when I was in college, I went to NYU and New York City has a big Italian festival every year, the San Gennaro Festival. And my girlfriends and I went and I had my palm read and the palm reader said to me, and I didn't remember this until, you know, I was already a doctor. She said to me, I don't really see acting in your future. I see something like medical. And uh, I went home so disappointed. That was such a waste of $20. I was really upset. <laughs> like she doesn't know me at all. I'm never going to go into medicine. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's crazy because like it's not that far of a leap in my mind because I took psychology in school and what I always wanted to be like an inner passion was acting. And I think it's because of being able like when I see an actor on screen, I can sense like, oh, they're giving off this. And it seems like this type of vibe that you can just pick up on their mannerisms, the way they're trying to uh, bring out an emotion that doesn't seem like it's the true one. That's the issue. And I feel like that's where like when I was learning about psychology and stuff, I was really diving down the rabbit hole of like all these things that bottle up into a person's lifestyle that really kind of affects them as a person today. Like when I see a person in the store get super upset over something so simple and I look at it, like there's a lot more going on than what you're complaining about this three ninety nine price of cornflakes. That's not <laughs> the big issue here. Exactly. No, it's true. Right. I mean, we're all affected by psychology um, whether we're aware of it or not, you know, how we react to people and situations and how we just interact with the world in general and conduct our lives. Um, I, you know, I was always fascinated in psychology too. You know, I loved uh, taking, you know, I took a psychology 101 class when I was in school and um, just the way we, not only the way other people operate, but learning about ourselves and how we you know, why we are the way we are, you know, it's, I think it's very interesting. Obviously. What do you think amongst like all the work that you've done and kind of to your career so far, what do you find to be the issue that stands out in your mind as the most common one with people? I look at it like, I feel like there's a giant disconnect with how you used to be able to chat with a close friend or be able to chat with someone in your family to be able to kind of solve the mess upstairs. And it's funny, I'd got my, I'm not a tarot card believer, but I had a tarot card person on a podcast, read my tarot cards. And he's like, your November is going to be crazy upstairs. I was like, fucking September wasn't easy. I mean, <laughs> every day is not easy. I'm constantly up in my head, but that's the scariest place for me. And the best place because it helps me sort out issues because I think the biggest enemy in our lives is ourselves because we're constantly putting ourselves in our own way, stopping us from wanting to ever achieve anything. So just for me with acting was a factor of 
I don't know. I don't think I could be on screen. I'm nervous all the time. I get anxiety and I have to go to the bathroom really bad. So I'm like, well, there you go. So that's me putting myself in. I feel like a lot of people do that in their everyday life is, oh, that seems too hard. It seems too difficult. Oh, life's not, that's not my goal. It's like, you're putting yourself in your own way, stopping you from achieving it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're so good at that, right? We get in our heads and we'll convince ourselves of something. Um, most to the time we don't know what's best for us, right? I mean, uh, when I was in my 20s, I loved watching TV and I thought that was self-care, you know, going snuggling in bed, being in bed, watching TV. Netflix. And it, it yeah, it didn't get where really. It wasn't until I thought, oh, you know, maybe this isn't serving me the way I think it is. Um, but, you know, there, there's the famous quote of, if you say you can't, you won't, right? Like, if we tell ourselves we can't do something, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, I see that all the time. You know, I'll, I'll try to guide patients and say, well, have you thought about it this way? Maybe change this. And they'll come up with their own list of reasons why, you know, they can't do that. So as a doctor, one of the things that we're trained to do is instead of telling someone, kind of try to guide them to kind of figure it out on their own or, you know, be more of a guide instead of just, a, you know, directing them to do something. Because we don't do, as humans, we're just way more apt to do something if we, you know, come up with it or, you know, we have that aha moment instead of being told, you know, look, just go get off the couch, go take a run. Probably not going to do that. You start to find out that the person has kind of already been marinating on the answer for a while. You just need to kind of get them into that point of realizing like, oh, there it is. It's like you already had the answer inside of you. Like so many times, like when I used to go to therapy, which probably should go back to, um, it was just a thing where I was like, why am I, I'm, I'm figuring out everything in my own life. I already know what the issue is. I know what's going on. It's like, but what am I going to do to fix it? It's like, do we just like being miserable? Do I like being miserable? It's like, it sucks, but it's like, it's comforting. Cause I'm so used to it 24 seven. And there's truth to that. There's totally truth to that. You know, it's like, it's what we know. So people will say, well, I don't want to be miserable. I'm like, well, I believe you, but there's a part of it that's comforting, you know, in a weird way. That's, yeah. It's like, it's, it's weird. I just came to this conclusion of um, like in a, a couple episodes ago, which was imagine if we just dyed money a different color, we would have a different disdain or look towards it. If it wasn't green, because green in our lives, everything means go, go, go. Yes, accepted. That means correct. And if we dyed it like red or blue, we might treat it differently. We might spend it less. We might not hold it so accountable into our lives because of the factor of it's just a different color. If you look at like Canada, for instance, their money's blue and red. So it's like, they don't, they're not all about, yeah, they're not all about spending it though. So I'm like, that's the thing is that we're established into something that is so false. Like money is this, it's a currency, but it's like, yeah, you need to buy stuff, but what does it mean in the grand scheme of things? And to everybody, it's that thing. That and fame is like the two bugaboos I have where I'm like, I have an ego issue. So I know there's a fame issue. I'm like, I want to be the best feedback, all these amazing compliments. But I noticed I have that ego issue. And I, whenever I get a compliment, I'm like, no, no, like I'm a person. Keep that humbleness to you because once Mm -hmm. you start losing that and you start feeding into it and you start accepting it, it just grows for a bigger thing that turns into an issue later down the road. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the reasons, I mean, I'm not sure, but I think that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of child actors had so much trouble, right? Sesame like, so Street, that'll mess you up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had all that fame and money so young, and then, you know, a lot of them had issues with mental health down the line, or drugs and alcohol, and because that's just a, the ego just takes over and you don't have a sense of self when you're that young and you don't really learn what it's like to be a human without all that adoration and if the adoration goes away then you're just feeling kind of lost and so I think what you're doing is kind of healthy you know I look at yourself hey wow no let's let's hold on 
Well, I look at like, if you look at like Pam Anderson, for instance, I like to use her as an example. I like just the fact of she spent so much time off her looks and then eventually those things, that's a fleeting thing. It's like fame. It's going to fade away. Imagine being a child raised where everyone is kissing your feet and loving everything that you create and just you're in the eye of the public 24-7, then hitting your 20s and people not seeing that child anymore and then losing all a little bit of fame. That's got to hurt because you're so used to it. Then you got to start doing things that to keep the eye of attention of people. I mean, I'm, I want to ask you this because I want to find out like, what is your like huge thing you're interested in psychology? For me, it was like, I'm big into weightlifting. I'm big into fitness freak. That's because I was bullied through school, which I kind of hooked on to. But bodybuilding, I would see these giant bodybuilders, even uh, an old manager at my gym, big body. I mean, he was showing photos of himself. I was like, do you have any that aren't in a Speedo? He's like, no. With a body like that, you, you they're all Speedo pictures, bro. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> but I saw him now, and he's wearing a Captain America hoodie. He's over a little bit overweight. He's got a dad bod, but his legs are like tree trunks. But um, I was talking to him. I was like, so does that ever hurt? Like, does that ever hurt looking in the mirror and not seeing what you were like before? Like coming from a body dysmorphic perspective where I look at myself and it's hard, even I might have a six pack, I still got to wear hoodies, I still got to do other things to kind of hide the image. But I was like, but watching that from your prime fade into what you are now, not saying you're bad looking, but saying more on the lines of like, you're not where you used to be. Does that ever cross your mind? He goes, it did for a while, but then it came to the realization that life is a fleeting thing and not everything lasts forever, but you work with what you got. And I'm like, damn, like, that's what I like to hear is how people start to think of things. Cause I believe every issue and every problem that we're all experiencing, not only has probably maybe somebody been through it, but having that insight and changing the perspective on things. Like you see a homeless man that's rubbing poop on the side of a wall. Is he a homeless crazy person? Probably. But is he an artist? Think of it in a different perspective. That little slight perspective change can make your outlook on life a little bit different and a lot better. No, it's true. That's huge. I, I work in a hospital part-time. So a lot of my work is helping people get through, um, you know, maybe a medical crisis, right? Um, they're, you know, I'm called obviously because there's maybe some depression, anxiety or some other mental health issue, but the acute issue at the time is a medical crisis. And so I do have a passion for helping people get through hard life transitions. And everybody has bad things happen to them. You know, everybody, you know, everybody has bad times. Everybody struggles with, you know, the transitions of life, aging, getting older, you know, facing our mortality. And those are all things that all of us struggle with. And that you consistently see people have a hard time with, you know, like you, that question you asked is great. Like, does that hurt to see you like that? And, um, and that's kind of like the point of life, right? To get to a place where we realize nothing is constant, everything is changing. And um, in order to ride the wave of what's happening is... I mean, it's my point of life. Like that's where I, that's what I work on the most is just trying to um, accept what comes my way and deal with it better. And it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, COVID has taught me that. I'm sure it's taught a lot of us that, you know, like when everything in your life changed and everything that I looked at as a coping skill, you know, going and seeing my friends and going out and was gone it just makes you have to look at things in a whole new perspective and figure out a new way to deal with stuff. Does it ever get hard or frustrating trying to help somebody that's going through a major life transition? Like, are you dealing with people that are being told they have cancer? Are you dealing with people that are told that like, Hey, they're not going to make it. I mean, that's an emotionally impacting thing. How do you find the? Cause I'm not a big self care type of guy. I, I look at like, if the world wasn't so difficult, maybe we wouldn't need those days of relaxation or those times to ourselves. I just look at like, you know, today in the world, for instance, I think the pandemic has created a more of a openness for a short, brief time, but then we're falling back into our own ways. And the weird thing I started noticing is people that are trying to create conflict that isn't there. 
like starting a fight between two people or trying to argue over something so small that doesn't seem like it really matters in the grand scheme of things. And I'm like, this is what happens when reality television gets taken off, when there's no Jersey Shore to watch. We try and find that. that, I know. It's nuts. But self-care isn't always, so you must, you probably do self-care and maybe you don't know it. Like what are the things that you really like after you do them, you feel rejuvenated and like energetic and good. The podcast. See? Literally this, I, I tell people, if you really want to see my depression, look at how many episodes I have. And that's my therapy <laughs> right there. Well then don't, yeah. Then don't stop doing the podcast, doing it. Cause that's your self-care. You know, for me, self-care isn't rest really. For me, self-care is being outside or being active, doing something outdoors, going for a run, even though during the run, I feel like I'm going to die and I hate it after I feel amazing. So like, that's my self-care in a weird way. It's like the gym in general, Um, though. Every time you're headed to the gym, it's like, I don't want to do this. And by the time you're done afterwards, like I'm going to go home and eat some good ass food. (laughs) I never feel worse after a workout. It's hard to motivate and during it, I might feel awful, but I never feel bad after. So I always feel better. It's called that runner's high is like the best thing. I always tell people it's like after, like, if you want to ask me anything, like if you want my car, if you want me to give you like my kidney, just ask me after the gym. Cause I'm so like even key, like, here you go. Just take my car keys, take the kidney. I'm good. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Well, um, but I think I didn't answer your original question about does it get hard yes helping people transitions um and yeah I mean it's so I only work part-time because it's really draining I'm naturally an introvert and so having those emotional connections with people that are going through such hard difficult things um can be really draining and it is draining but uh an amazing honor, you know, to be with people during those times. And, and I, and I love my work in that regard, connecting with people and, and being able to help them. Um, but a lot of people, you know, I'm kind of forced on people, um, in the hospital, they don't really, you know, the doctor that's treating them will call me. And in my outpatient work, it's their primary care doctor that, calls me and says, Hey, I need help. So in a lot of ways, um, unless people are coming to me, um, I'm kind of forced on them. So, you know, I do get a lot of resistance where people don't, you know, want the help necessarily aren't ready to hear it or or don't want, um, kind of like the stages of denial. Yeah. So it just, it depends. And, And for those instances, I'm really just there as support. I'm just there to listen to them and, and that's, and that's what I do. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not easy. I always recommend psychiatrists and psychotherapists also have their own therapists and, you know, do that for themselves because, um, otherwise it can get to be overwhelming. Yeah. That was the biggest, like, thing that stood out to me when I was studying psychology was that even therapists have their own therapists and it's because sometimes the hardest like nobody can give you insight into your own life like you have it's better to have eyes looking in and I'm like a lot of the issues like it which is I mean first of all back in the day if you want to talk about getting being a therapist as a career and you're benefiting so much from it now with the fact of how as a society we have completely shifted to actually go towards a therapist before it was like keep your emotions bottled up and don't let anybody know that you cry into your pillow now it's like hey it's actually good that you're here and it's hey let's get this done because mental health is becoming this thing that's like starting to be all over the news i'm like yeah like thank god because there a rising amount of depression in the world is really upsetting and i think that's because empathy and sympathy we got them crossed when i talk to people like i work at a gym day job front desk i say good morning i hear a freaking story afterwards where i'm like i just found out everything that's been going on in your life for the past eight months like and i think that's because you're not having the talks with people that you need to you don't have someone to listen to you and that's what a therapist does is they listen to you i mean an average person on the street like could listen to you we're gonna run into more people crying on the bus and nobody's gonna ask them why they're crying because 
everyone's so consumed with their own issues. It's like, hang on a second. We can all carry the weight, but we have to help each other out. It can't just be one person dumping onto another person because then that person is going to dump onto another person and it's going to be a chain of dumping and that's never fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, people are just dying for that connection, you know, like, um, that that's classic when, when you say, Oh, I just said good morning. And I heard the whole life story, you know, um, sometimes I'll walk into a patient's room and similarly, I'll just, you know, say hi and introduce myself. Yeah. I'm Dr. Obib. Um, and immediately it's like the floodgates opened, you know, and I could tell they've just been just dying to have someone just listen to them for a little while. And, um, I think some of the reason we're seeing so much more mental health issues well, I know the reason we're seeing so much more mental health issues during COVID is, you know, that lack of connection and lack of community, which has already been disintegrating gradually, right? I mean, even before COVID, we're more online, we're more, you know, shopping online, not going to stores, doing everything, you know, through the internet, on social media more. So like, there's been a slow erosion of people to people contact as it is. And then with COVID, it was just even more pronounced. And we are social beings. We need connection. We need to connect to people and not just online. We need to actually have like interactions, face-to-face interactions. We have to have a sense of community and that's a component to mental health. So we're just going to see depression and anxiety worsen unless we figure that out. after, you know, it's safe to be around each other again. And um, I hope that we see a change. I I really do. I hope that people realize that they need that community and connection um, and that things start to change a little bit more. Have you ever seen the movie Clash of the Titans? Probably. The newer one with Liam Neeson? Well, the newer. Oh, no. Oh, well, um, they had a thing like Zeus, who's Liam Neeson, and the other guy who's Hades. He was like, You've learned to love or live off their prayers and love. And when the people stopped believing in them, they kind of started slowly losing their power and fading away. But Hades was the only one that survived because he learned to feed off their pain and fear. And I'm like, That's a perfect representation for people today is that we've learned to feed off the aggression and we've learned to be so consumed by anger. But when we get that smile, when we get that love, when someone gives us a compliment instead of saying you idiot or something, you feel like, holy crap. Like I tell people, like people are like, I wish I could just live off in the mountains and isolate from everyone. I'm like, you could do that for like Mm -hmm. a month, maybe Mm -hmm. like after a while, you're going to come in contact with someone or you're going to want to come in contact with someone. And then when they go like, oh, hey, man, nice to see you. I hope you're having a good day. You're like, what was that? I felt like a hug for my soul. Like, yeah, because that's what you need. Like, and then also it's the reverse opposite where you can't be in the same house with your family for a month on end without somebody reaching for a butter knife. It's just that type of thing that we can't be so jam packed together for too long and we Mm -hmm. can't be too far away for Mm -hmm. too long. And I'm like, what is the balance? Where, Mm -hmm. where can we get that balance in a society Mm -hmm. where we're not having one so polar opposite and the other one so polar opposite? We need that middle ground where we can agree and Mm -hmm. understand and come together like we're inherently supposed to do for survival. Balance. It's so hard, right? It's, it's the key to everything, you know, like balance is the key. Uh, and it's true. We need, you know, like I said, I'm an introvert, so I need alone time. You know, that's kind of how I replenish. Um, and, you know, right now in my life, my partner, he works from home and he's home all the time. And I work from home a lot. I'm home and I'm like, oh my God, I need, I need to get out of here. I need to be alone, you know, but, but not for very long. Like, a few hours, right? Or, you know, um, and then coming back together and, and, and getting that balance and figuring out really how you thrive is really hard for people, you know, because we feel guilty a lot. Feel like if we want to be alone, we're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, this person needs me or this person needs me. Or if you're a parent, you know, my kids need me. 
And then if you um, are with people all the time and you feel like you, you know, you need that space, it can be, it can be hard. And when you do have that space and you're used to being alone, then it can be hard to connect again, right? Because it's like a muscle socializing and being, um, being social and around people. If you haven't done it for a while, you'll start to naturally have anxiety about it. Like thinking about going to a party, you know, when you haven't been out in six months, it's going to cause some anxiety, right? Because like you haven't used that muscle in a long time. You mentioned so if you being figure, guilty. If you can though. figure out balance, if you can figure out balance, Robbie, you can figure out, you can like help a lot of people. <laughs> you literally mentioned being guilty. And I feel like that kind of relates to the medical thing too. A lot of times people are really, really upset. And honestly, that's an understandable thing why people get angry is like the first step of like the stages of denial, because like you feel like you might like there's something you you didn't do or there's something, all these types of things, like it's a sense of guilt. So how do you walk somebody through that? Like, how do you show them that like, hey, it's not your fault. I mean, you could tell them that, but like, it's like, does time is the one that sinks it in where people have to come to that conclusion themselves? It seems like, like I had recently somebody go through the stages of denial and I noticed it when there was just like things being thrown around the room and in a mass hysteria, I'm like, Oh, you're going through the stages right now of this thing we just got dealt with. And it was like difficult to watch, but you, you couldn't say a lot. You just had to let them get it out. And then you start to see the shift and the change, you know, later, like the next day, it was a little bit different. It slowly let up. It's like, that's what you're, but you're coming in contact with that at, uh, as a job. That is, I give you so much credit for that because you think in a difficult situation where somebody's getting bad news, everyone's reaction is to get angry, to get upset and get mad. And you're like trying to talk them down. You have to be very inviting and trying to come to a conclusion and help them. It's either super, mm -hmm. super sad or super, super angry. Nobody ever hears you got cancer and they're like, okay, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. Right. And you know, the stages, it's just like you said, you know, there are the stages that we go through and, you know, denial is, is like the first reaction typically um, and those are normal and that's okay. You know, it's okay to be in denial for a period of time and it's okay to get angry and it's okay to feel guilty. Those are natural responses and human reactions. The important thing is that we move through them, right? That we don't get stuck in a certain stage, that we're not stuck in denial, right? That we're not stuck in that anger, that we're able to move past it. And so that's more what I help people with. You know, I'm not there to tell them that what they're feeling is is wrong of, of course not you know what you're feeling is what you're feeling but it trying to facilitate them getting to the next stage whatever that is and you know guilt, guilt's a lot better than shame right so shame and guilt are really similar shame is like i'm a bad person and guilt is i did something bad so they're they're cousins, they're, they're cousins. um shame is you know, not help. Like, I don't feel like shame is healthy in any way. I don't feel like shame really serves us in any way, but guilt, guilt is, is a normal thing. You know, we, if we do something bad, maybe you should feel guilty, right? That means that we're going to look at what we did and maybe make a better choice in the future or, you know, figure out oh, why did I do that? Or, um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing, but we're all human. We all make mistakes. And so living in guilt can really cause us a lot of problems. It's about forgiving ourselves or forgiving someone else and being able to get past it. So, um, so that's kind of my role, you know, helping people through that. Do you think sometimes people hold on to that a little bit too much, like hold on to anger for way too long and start to build up? Because I look at anger, like everybody obviously experiences. I get angry a lot. I like to go off on rants about stupid stuff, but at the same time, I look in myself and I'm like, am I upset at this or am I upset that it didn't go the way I was hoping it would go and it just went in a different way? Like, it's mm -hmm. hard. Like, I mean, I, I, I self-analyzation or analyzing people, especially if you take even a therapy or psychology class, you probably get it all the time. You're in the middle of a store and you just start analyzing people like, oh, well, maybe they have <laughs> that going on in their life or something. It's just because you start finding out that it's there's a bigger picture to things. And I think a lot of times the way people react is because they're looking at the 
the short term. They're not looking at the long term. A lot of times a problem hits you and it seems like it's never going to end. And the easiest way out is sadly what caused a lot of suicides, you know, that type of thing seems like an easier way out. You look at it like, are they brave because they made that or are they cowards? And it's like a lot of times people just want an answer and they feel like this gloom, like I have depression and I know what it feels like when that that tunnels never it's you're never going to see the end of it it feels like oh my god is this going to last forever it's such a legit and your room just got dark when i was saying it too but a dark (laughs) a dark cloud and it's that's the difficult part is that dark cloud is like seems like it's going to be forever and i'm telling people no 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 no. and then hiding it or same thing with like self-care as i talk about is like pushing your problems down. You need to address them when they happen. Understand. Okay. My car just got a flat tire. No use really talking about it and complaining and whining and crying about it. Let's try and get it fixed and move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Because if you keep pushing the obstacle past, next thing you know, it's going to build up to hit another obstacle. Then you're getting hit with two obstacles, then three obstacles. Handle them as they come and understand that they're short term. They're not the long term payoff. You think this whatever water payment that your future worrying about, like, Oh my God, I got to worry about next month's car payment. It's like, hang on. Why are you worrying about that when it's next month? Be aware that it's coming, but don't sit there and harp and cry and just sit there and think about it. 24 seven, you're going to drive yourself insane. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, if you hear a lot of noise, I saw the leaf blower, man. Oh, I'm so sorry. About <laughs> I, that. I hope people on YouTube see them and give them a shout out. I have no control. I've tried to get him to stop, but it doesn't work. Um, so I think for, I do see a lot of people get stuck in the anger. I see a lot of people get stuck in the, um, you know, something bad happened to them. Maybe they, somebody did something to them and they just can't let go of it. And they get stuck in the anger and the, um, just not being able to forgive. That's a huge one. I see that all the time and it's probably my biggest challenge as a psychiatrist getting people um, to work through that because it is so hard for people to forgive when someone you know did something and and I have patients that have suffered you know huge traumas you know not lightly and I and but no matter what it was no matter what it is no matter what was done to you if you don't figure out how to work through it and forgive and let go of it it will make you sick. It will make you sick. I see it every day. And I'm not just talking mental health. I'm talking physically sick too. Like that kind of emotional anger and like holding on to those traumas, they make your body sick. I mean, mind-body connection, it's real. And you will have more pain. You will have more medical problems. You will have more, you know, trouble in your relationships. And so that's a huge part of my work because most of my patients are suffering from some sort of, you know, past trauma. You know, I've, I've treated a lot of people with post-traumatic stress disorder and, um, and I'm still fine, you know, fine tuning ways to do it because it is really hard and it's really challenging. And I hate to see people suffer, you know, and, and I know they need to this next step. I know they need to forgive the, you know, what happened to heal but you can't do that for someone, right? I mean, they have to do that on their own. So. Well, people are willing to accept help and then other people don't want it, you know? But a lot of times I look at it like, I mean, even if you you hear somebody as a family's going, let's say in a hospital room, somebody's dying on a bed or something, and then a, a, the whole family's around there. If everybody's upset and sulking and crying and not talking and maybe having a laugh, even though it might be a horrible scenario to laugh in, it's about taking the mind off of it too, because the mood shift in a room, if you've ever been in a room where there's just a bunch of people upset or you just heard bad news or something, it's like somebody farted all the freaking positivity and it just gets sucked out of the room. And you're like, (laughs) this is really uncomfortable for me to be in. And that harbors in on your emotion, like bringing bad energies into your home. If you're having a really rough day and you just come home and start throwing stuff around. I remember being a kid, one of my parents had a rough day or something. Next thing you know, you hear things banging and slamming on your upstairs like looking off the balcony like what the hell is happening right now you are literally 
being evolved around that next you know you're in a room like oh, i gotta be quiet gotta do this and it's it's the same thing i hear i heard a story and it's funny you said um you like your alone time i heard somebody mentioned like i would there were time i wouldn't you know i didn't like my roommates and i was like then why are you living with them why are you living in that? Well, I would just stay in my room. You don't know what types of ways I had to find things to pee in. I'm like, you were afraid to go to the bathroom in the home that you were paying for because you didn't like your roommates. That seems like a bad environment. Why are you keeping yourself in there? And that was the biggest thing that happened with the pandemic was people were like starting to realize they don't actually like the person they're with, that the job was giving them that breakaway that they needed where mm -hmm. they could come home for the few hours and deal with it and then go back out to work. I'm like, that should, that shouldn't be a bad thing. That should be a good thing to understand that you guys aren't working together and you, you had time to look at that. Yeah. It sucks. The relationship has to end, but it's better than being miserable and just praying to God that work doesn't get shut down from an invisible virus. That's going to, stop your relationship no, no 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 focus in realize you're not happy and go change it because it's life is pretty long but it's also pretty short in the grand scheme of things if you really sit there and take account of every single second that passes just the other day i sat out on my porch drinking a nice cup of coffee it smells like fall. I'm like, oh my God, pumpkin spice is in the air. Everything's turning pumpkin scented. There's pumpkin spice frappuccinos. But then I was <laughs> smelling literally what felt like the smell of what the leaves do before they change. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I literally sit here and it felt like I was there for like an hour, it was five minutes. I took in every second of those five minutes how many times when you're going to work and that's your mindset, I got work today and you're going in and getting into your car, you ignore the whole smell of this season at mm. most people, not you, most people ignore these little slight things where I'm like, I had a buddy come to me about, he was having a kid, my, my second, third episode. And I was like, you're having a kid, man. Congratulations. He goes, I'm scared. And he was scared for a lot of reasons, much like anybody would be with having a kid. And I said, you're worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet. And you're building up something in your head that's turning a very amazing scenario into a really bad one. I said, I want you to do me a favor. And I want you to put your hand on the table that was in front of us. And I said, feel that. You feel that? What's that feel like? And he goes, wood. And I'm like, what type of wood? Get down to the nitty gritty detail of it. Realize you're in this moment, not in one that's 10 years from now. You're going to it's scary thing, but you need more people need to realize where they're at. They need to pinch themselves. They need to feel like, holy crap, I'm alive. Yeah, there's, there's blood going through my heart. Don't do what I did and give myself a panic attack, starting to think about the heart pumping and stuff because I've done it. But realize you're in those moments because that is that's the that's the safety that's the understanding of that you are alive and you have any option that you can choose to and where you want to go in the future you can worry about it or you can move on from it or you can think positivity about it yeah we get stuck in our head right and we just like go over every scenario and talk ourselves out of things it's that fear again fear of the unknown and um you know it's funny because when i you know i said that i wanted to be an actor and now I'm a doctor. Um, so I was really unhappy for pretty much all of my twenties. Um, I was failing at the acting thing. I'm terrible at self-promotion. I just didn't like the whole business of it. So I had every survival job known to man. Um, and I was just floundering and I was unhappy. Um, I had a great relationship at the time, but I, it wasn't enough, right? Like I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, but I was stuck. I was like, well, if I, you know, if I change, if I do another career, what if I don't like it? What if it's worse? What if I'm even more miserable, right? These are the things that we do to keep ourselves from changing and keeping ourselves stuck. And for me to get unstuck, it took a health problem, actually, ironically. Um, so, you know, I had this health problem and it kind of like changed everything in my life. And I had this moment where I thought, I don't want to go back to my life the way it was. You know, I was unhappy. This is kind of like a sign, um, but I still didn't even know what to do with it. You know, I just knew that I life to be different. And um, I was driving home from a doctor's appointment. I had this really wonderful specialist uh, that helped me. 
and I was coming home from an appointment with him. And at this point I was in my early thirties, you know, so my twenties were gone and I hadn't changed yet. And, um, I was driving home and I thought, Oh, I'm so jealous of what he gets to do. He, he helped me and he gets to help people. And God, I wish, I wish when I was 18, instead of going to theater school, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and I, and I was thinking about all the ways that I envied him and wanted to do that. And then I thought, well, maybe I can do that. Maybe, maybe I can be a doctor. But I had no business thinking that because um, I hadn't taken a science class for like 15 years. But, um, but I went with that crazy idea. And it, so it's for me, you know, so I really, I feel like I have a good understanding of my patients that are stuck and, and I really enjoyed helping them because I've been there and I was stuck for like a decade and, you know, it, it took like, usually it takes something, right? Like people will say, Oh, I didn't change until my house burned down or I didn't change until I got cancer. I didn't change until, that's just two big examples. But I mean, that's stuff that you hear, like, you know, these are the, the, the stories that people tell, like, oh, I'm, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, and, and I try to get patients to change before the tragedy, right? Like, let's not wait until that big, bad thing happens. We can change before it happens. Um, but kind of tapping into the things that happen to us psychologically when something bad does happen. And those are the things that kind of get us through our own blocks and get us moving forward. It's fu it's funny because um just this past December, I had a huge medical thing I got diagnosed with. And then trying to figure out what it was during when everything was shut down because of COVID made it even harder calling numbers, hospitals, trying to get medication while I'm lying on my bathroom floor in pain. Um, finally in November coming up, I got a court date, but I showed up to my last court appointment all over zoom and everyone forgot that we had an appointment and I sat in a waiting room for three hours. So that was fun as hell. Um, but they finally go, we're going to reschedule since we can't put your insurance company at fault. Um, so we'll see you in November. I'm like, okay, so we got that coming up, but it's almost been a full year. And the only thing that I was really kind of upset about which was when the pandemic happened, there was a thing I did when I graduated school, which was I signed up for a gym membership my junior year of high, of high school uh, for being bullied really bad for being overweight. Um, so I went every single day and had not missed a day and going on eight years now. And that's even when gym shut down and everything. I had the key to my, because the owner kn knows me, show, knows I showed up every day and gave me a key. I would go in there and sneak working out, which was so freaking weird. But it was like a thing, like I'm gym addicted. And I, I didn't think in a million years that my life would ever change from that. But then with the pandemic, it really opened up something inside of me that was like, I'm spending two to three hours in a gym, sometimes twice a day. What am I getting from that? Am I enjoying life? Is this going to be like, what, 40, 50, 60? Is my whole memory going to be of a gym? That hit me. And I was like, oh my God, I need to go and live. I need to go do something. And I never thought in a million years that I would think like that today. Like even saying it right now is just like, wow. Like, mm -hmm. cause before it was such a thing, like not going to the gym. I stopped doing vacations, didn't travel anywhere, stayed in my town, worked, went to the gym. That was it. That was my whole life for so many years. And it's like, wow, I have the whole opportunity to experience what life is and it doesn't have to be inside of a gym. And that was something that I look at like people can overcome the greatest of things. The thing that you think that it's going to be, you know, these OCD type things that we do where it's like, I have to flick the light switch 80 times or somebody in my family is going to die. I get why you're thinking that, but understand that that's not true. It's not, their life's not linked to a light switch and you built that up into your head. But a lot of times it's like you said, people have to come to those conclusions themselves. Nobody. And I, I had seeked help for it could get me to the point of missing a day of the gym. I had to build myself up to that. And that had to take a pandemic to be able to open that up for me to get there. But I got there on my own. A lot of times people need that, but it does not help to have somebody that is guiding you and trying to give you the tools to be able to find that yourself. It's like a scavenger hunt. You can search with your hands, but if somebody's offering a shovel, I take the shovel. So what are you going to do now with less gym time? 
What are you going to fill that time with? Well, sadly, I work at a gym, so work, <laughs> work is gym. So I consider those while I'm there, I might as well. So it's like even I go into work or something, I still am there. But it's a thing where I was like just yes or actually just the other day I was thinking I was like, I don't need to be here for two to three hours. I could be here 30 minutes and I can head out. You know, I got time to spare. I got things I want to do. I got other things. Find something to find that avenue. Podcasting for me. If I had a podcast recorded. But that is something that keeps my demons down. Like I need that to level me out through the day so I can be able to talk to people. Because as much as I'm an extrovert, I am also an introvert. I was like that. And I don't talk to people in my everyday life. I'll say like, good morning, open up a door or something. But that's my issue with how people are is the fact of... Mm -hmm the sympathy and empathy thing. So many times I go to strike up a conversation, I'm hearing a life story where I go, man, I need to lie down. And I mean, when I was taking psychology classes in school, I was hearing kids that were suffering from schizophrenia. I tried to burn down their house because they thought King Tut was outside of their window. And I'm like, how the, but you would hear such dramatic stories of a kid freaking out, not understanding the perception of reality and hurting his family. And then you're so drained after that where you're like, nobody talked to me for the rest of the day. Like mm -hmm. I need to lie down. And that's where I look at like, that's a lot of the world is you go out into the world and after a long work day, it's not necessarily the work so hard. It's just the energy around the world is a little bit toxic when it comes to feeling like somebody just threw a wet blanket on top of you. You kind of feel dragged down. Like, I don't know if I want to do anything but watch Netflix today. So I'm just going to go to sleep. So you've always had, because um, you're a lot younger than me, you've always had, um, like social media has always been a part of your life, right? I mean, is it, it's always been around you? For, for a right? good amount. I think probably by the time I was 16, it's been like a major thing. Like I, I was the last to join Facebook. I didn't do that until I was 16. But I mean, mm -hmm. I'm 22 okay. now, but all these generations okay. that are coming up, they're so consumed in it. Yeah. So 16 later, I thought, so that's not... Yeah, because I know like kids today, they're on social media. Like, they got in, Twitters, in Instagrams, yeah. Pinterest, Etsy's, Farmers yeah. Only, all these things. Yeah. So that I always think about, um, you know, being in mental health, I always think about if that is, you know, contributing to, you know, difficulty in kids connecting with one another today i think it is you know it's, it's and, the and bullying factor that used to stop at school now people put up a post about you on myspace which was for my age i guess and then mm -hmm. now it's like twitter everything people can tweet things about you that aren't true and the weird thing is we get so blinded by emotion that we're we we agree with it and we get upset about it it's like he's talking this about me who, who cares you don't have four eyes and you don't you can't fit your whole hand up your nose. Why are you caring that that person tweeted that it's about scary. you? That's yeah. what I get upset about is when I saw a Facebook video of a dad. And this started when I was a kid was Xbox. Oh, there's something about that thing that like you get emotionally connected to it. I remember my brother grabbed it one time and threatened to throw it out the window because of how insane I was getting with playing it all the time. I had nobody home. So that was my way to connect with my friends. I didn't have a car. And um, crying over that when I was a kid, I, I saw a video of a dad on Facebook where I, I've been trying to listen to parents talk more so I can try and get that parent perspective in my head. And um, a dad was crying that his son had broke his TV out of anger over a game. Then they were going to buy him a new TV two days later when it was his birthday. But his son got so upset about that and he didn't want to tell his parents because his parents knew that he knew his parents would be upset that he grabbed a belt and hung himself in his closet and his kid was only 12 years old. I hear something like that and I'm like, there is an issue in the way the world is working today where that is going to be more normal than not because of the fact of how addicted we are to a device telling us and controlling our lives. Did you see the, there's a documentary on Netflix called The Social, Social Dilemma. Dilemma. Have you seen it? I knew so much of that stuff was already happening where people are like, did you see that? People are like, oh my God, this is happening. I'm like, I know. I, I've been I trying, know. I've been so out of trying to disconnect from the phone and stuff, but it's so hard because mm -hmm. it's the so first hard. thing we check in the morning. I saw that movie and, you know, like you, I was like, well, I, I know all this stuff is happening, but seeing it like that, oh man, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to change how I 
do with social deal with social media and I really haven't. It's, my phone is still the first thing I check in the morning. And, you know, now that so much of people's work is on social media, I mean, that's how we promote things. That's how we get more business. That's how, you know, it's so hard to disconnect from it. I, I might be a little addicted to it. I'm I, <laughs> like I mean, everybody. <laughs> I'm addicted to it too. I, the fact of like, mm-hmm. I, you know, my I start my workout maybe four o'clock in the morning or something and it goes probably to like five thirty-six. But that two hour window or one hour thirty minute window, I don't want anybody messaging me. But since I've started the podcast, I have DMs from people mm-hmm. in Australia, people from UK, people from all these different time zones where it's like I have to shut it off or just not have it in my pocket so I can be able to mm-hmm. focus in on the thing that levels me out. The weird thing is back in the day there was an amigo, which was a little cell phone that had three numbers you could call on it and one was 911 so you had your mom and your dad and maybe a cousin on there now they do they're making a thing called a light phone no internet on your phone only able to make calls but then they put music on there and then they put podcasts on there and i'm like you messed up any kid Mm -hmm. can do that you need to build a device again where delete the apps, all these types of things. It's hard because people are, like you said, running through businesses now. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we're using social media to get our businesses done and we have a lot of people since the pandemic working from home, here's my idea. All these buildings that are not having people occupy them anymore, such as businesses that are getting shut down and just open spaces, instead of building more real estate houses or more homes, let's build parks. They're natural forms of therapy. If you're driving and mm-hmm. people are, some dude wants to pull off and fight you, he's going to fight you in front of a complex, a condo complex. Easy. Not, not going to affect him. Anything's going to get more pissed off. He's got a graffiti building on the side of the thing to look at while he fights <laughs> you. Build a park. Nobody's going to get out of the car and want to fight in front of a beautiful park. I mean, it, if you're that pissed off, maybe, but if you look over, it's like, yo, you not see well, that. Might, right? Yeah might reduce your anger a bit. Um, I don't know. Some people can get really angry no matter what, but, but I'd be all open. I'd be for that. Like more parks, less buildings for sure. I mean, nature being out in nature is one of the best things we can do for our mental health. And, you know, people who live in cities, um, that's not always possible for them to like be in nature. And it's kind of a privilege sometimes, you know, I'm, I feel really, I go, I do a lot of camping and backpacking and I go to, you know, national parks a lot. And it's kind of a privilege, you know, not everyone gets to do that. It, it costs money to travel and, you know, entrance fees. And um, so the way our cities are set up is really important. And having green spaces is, um, should be like the first priority when you're building a town or a city. Um, Well, we have social media for an amazing thing that everyone gets on their phone, which is an Amber alert. That's a forced thing. Mm. It randomly pops Mm. up on your phone when something happens, but it stops everything Mm. that's going on on your phone and focuses on that one thing until you acknowledge that it's there and just remove the notification. Well, let's have something that's a 30-minute window that tells you you need to take in a moment, such as like – Here's your today on this day, you're going to get you have to do a 30 minute thing where you disconnect and just get in touch with everything around you. And then once every if you have that maybe once every two weeks or something, once every three weeks, Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a great idea. I think more people would be (laughs) calmer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge movement right now. Mindfulness, meditation, yoga. I mean, and the reason why is there's a lot of science behind it helping control, you know, people's anxiety, helping control anger. Um, And what you said earlier in the podcast about taking a moment and, you know, smelling the air and and looking at the leaves and feeling your breathing, that's something that is uh, really helpful when I have a patient who's having a panic attack or having a lot of anxiety. It, they're called grounding techniques. It's like you you have them just okay. Tell me what you see right now. Like what are you looking at? You know, tell me what you feel, and just getting in touch with your five senses is calming. And if we throughout the day have moments where we just stop what we're doing, 
get focused on our breathing, get in touch with our breathing and really see what's around us. Um, it can help strengthen that part of our brain um, so that it gets easier and easier to do. Even when we're not being reminded about it, we can more easily remind ourselves. And that's a huge tool for mental health, being able to do that. Do you think that mental health is going to be something that's going to be handled better in the future? Or do you think that it's still going to keep climbing with the fact of how as a society we're progressing so fast coming from like a, a doctor's perspective i would say like your kind of maybe thoughts on what the world's going to be like 10 years from now because honestly i'm hopeful but i just know that it's so much easier to make a buck than care too much you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i'm I'm scared actually about it. Um, but what I'm hoping is, and what I'm hopeful for is, um, I think like physical health. So in phys- with physical health, we, there's a large push on preventative health. We all know that um, to eat right, to exercise, lose weight, right? We know what preventative health looks like for physical health, but we haven't been taught that preventative health is really important for mental health. I think it's becoming more understood now, um, but a lot of times we don't deal with our mental health until we have a problem. And I think that if we continue down that road, it's not gonna get better, it's only gonna get worse. I think we have to realize that just like physical health, mental health, it's you have to do things preventatively. Um, And a lot of that preventative steps look the same you know, diet, exercise, mindfulness, um, you know, meditation, the stuff that you do for preventative physical health, it's essentially the same that you would do for mental health. Um, But, and connection and community, like we were saying. So I'm hopeful um, if people start to realize that, you know, you don't just deal with your mental health when you have a problem. Continue down this kind of like chasing it as we go along, like not really dealing with it until there is a problem. Um, It's going to get worse. And, you know, antidepressants and medications are great. I'm glad I have them. You know, I prescribe medications as part of my work all the time. They're not the answer. They don't, they don't. It's a bandaid. Do everything. You know, well, maybe, maybe not. Um, but it's part of the solution. It's, it's for some people, it's not even part of the solution. Some people don't respond well, you know, antidepressants only work about a third of the time. Um, so it's a whole lifestyle thing you have to look at. When we look at mental health, we really have to look at our lifestyle. You know, what are we doing every day? How do we spend our time? Um, you know, if you are spending your time, only on social media, you know, watching TV, seeing advertisements all the time, being bombarded with these images that we need to buy more things, or we need to do this, or we, we're not enough, we're not good enough, we're not thin enough, we're not smart enough, we're not, you know, successful enough, we're, we're going to have mental health issues, right? It's, um, it's really a lifestyle change that a lot of us have to make as well in conjunction with therapy or medications. So if we can do that, I'm hopeful, you know. Getting on top of it before it hits the red line seems like the only time we ever want change is when it's already at, at, at the empty. It's like when your car's out of gas, you can't just, oh, now it's time to fuel up. Yeah, it was time to fuel up a little bit mm-hmm. before that. Exactly. Exactly. So deal deal with it before it becomes a problem, you know. Well, Laura, I appreciate mm-hmm. you for doing the podcast. Is, do you want to promote your page, promote where people can find you? So they can find me on Instagram um, at drlauralyn.com. Um, and I also have a website, drlauralyn.com. Pretty easy. Lynn with two N's. Um, and so on my Instagram, I do a lot of preventative health things. I focus on diet and nutrition and mindfulness and um, some, you know, the pillars of wellness connection and sleep and nutrition and things like that. Um, and then on my website, I talk uh, not only about psychiatry, but integrative medicine, which is largely a preventative medicine modality. And they can find out more about what integrative medicine is and what an integrative psychiatrist does, which is also part of my work. 
I make sure I link everything in the description. And thank you for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to visit iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and even share the show. Helps me out. Leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or Domino's pizza or how Papa John's is evil. Thanks for checking out Out of the Blank Podcast.